First month, sixth grade? Sixth grade. I moved to Urbandale off of 83rd Street. Um, had just moved from Waukee. At this point, I had moved now, I think, three years in a row. Moved from like State Center to Des Moines, from Des Moines to Waukee, then Waukee to Urbandale. And I remember meeting you the first day of sixth grade, not knowing a single soul. Uh, I remember sitting like in the, remember when we went, we went to the, the gym. Well, first off, I remember, I think the first time I saw you was at recess. You were playing knockout, I think. I don't know what I was doing, like football or whatever. And I was like, who's this new kid? Like, and I remembered you because playing basketball against you when we were younger, they were calling you Windex, or <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. But I was like, oh my God, it's that one kid. And at first I was like, hey, this is like, this is my territory. <laughs> like, who's this new kid over here? We're gonna knock out. I wouldn't knock out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were on the uh, same class, different, different sides. But yeah. the first time we actually met was in gym class. And I, like, I had all my friends and everything, and then there's this, you were like kind of sitting by yourself. And you're, and you're just like, hey, come over and sit by me. <laughs> I did that to you? Yeah, yeah. And nice. I was like, I was like, all right. Yeah, I was like, and we introduced each other. And yeah. then uh, kind of our relationship, I guess, the rest of middle school was history from there. You know, right. kind of instant, instant connection. Just through sports, obviously. And yeah. you were still doing like all your local sports and like different leagues and everything so it was really right. just kind of like feeling each other out in gym class right our only yeah the only stuff. time we really like interacted was at school right because at that point we were all i mean you were baseball wise you were um doing aau and stuff i had my own i forgot what team i was playing for back then well you joined little league of course <laughs> yeah I, <joined laughs> I played for the cubs yeah, little league. i had the caged helmet <laughs> No, but um, courtesy of Kevin. Yeah, shout out Kevin. Shout out Kevin. Thanks, Dad. Um, but I remember we had our lockers right next to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember my locker mate was was Hussein. Hussein was my first first friend at Urbandale because he was my locker mate. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to, yeah. in a sense, um, which he, which he's a great guy and um, a lot of a lot of good laughs with him. But you were right next to me with with Trey, mm -hmm. and I think that's you know really kind of helped spark up our friendship and made it easier to kind of connect and get to know each other and then obviously sports on top of that but yeah like you said i mean i think we definitely both have alpha male personalities and when we throughout our friendship we've definitely clashed <laughs> multiple times oh yeah um, um throwing a few blows here and there but but really i think like all in, all, in middle school at least like obviously the, the friendship developed pretty much right away but then I would say probably in eighth grade, you know, that's the year that you're getting ready to go into high school. And that's probably the least for me, the first time I thought about like what I wanted to do when I got there. And even just like, that's the kind of the age I feel like where you start to develop the ability to see just beyond what you're doing on a day to day basis, you know, just like playing sports locally, right. little leagues, you know, going to class, hanging out with your friends, and then repeating. But once you get to eighth grade, you're kind of facing that point in time where it's like, okay, there's another thing out there. I got to go to high school now. But then 
once you're in high school, you're thinking about college, you're thinking about right. all that stuff. So really, I think our relationship essentially started escalate, escalating um, around that age where I can probably recall like our first conversations about like, like, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Right. Like, where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to do? You know? And you can probably speak on this as well, but like the conversations that we had, even from the earliest stages, like looking back, those were like big conversations. Yeah. Like we were, we weren't talking about like, you know, like, Hey, I want to get a job right. here. Like it was, it was always talking about, you know, big things. Yeah. Playing, <laughs> playing professional sports really. I mean, and, going and to big schools, having really big goals and dreams and <laughs> living a, Lavish lifestyle or lavish, I should say. Living lavish. Living lavish. But yeah, I think another thing too, you know, around eighth grade and high school is that we we never played on any sports teams either. And you know, I think like our like you said, our only interaction was really in PE, um, that sixth grade year, and then obviously you know seventh eighth grade um, throughout that as well. But I just remember you know the first time we played on a team together was the Blue Jays, you Jays, know, playing yeah. playing AU baseball right. um together. But you know, I feel like our first time really, really playing together was freshman year playing football. Football together. When we both sure. you know, I think we played only two games before two or three I, games for you got before I called got the call. To, before I got the call. I still remember that. <laughs> I still remember coach I think it was Coach Anderson had came up to us or to me, um, when we were doing freshman drills and I thought that you were getting a call too and I was like so excited well, wait first we gotta we gotta even back up back to middle school we're missing a huge part where summer was it going into seventh or going into eighth grade probably going to eighth grade when we started going to the 6 a.m workouts together All right and that to me like that period of time to me was so pivotal in my life because I mean we were working out with the varsity football team right. essentially it was it was a varsity football team a handful of others and, and then a couple kids from the middle school yeah uh, us and Logan really yeah. were that my summer brother. and Logan you know yeah. he'd been in there for a while already so but I to me I had no experience in a weight room whatsoever right. all I knew is that I wanted to get better like, mm -hmm. because that's around, like I said, around the time where you and I started having conversations like, hey, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, let's go do it. Like, what, what do we have to do to get there? And step one, obviously, was we had to put in the time, additional time that other kids our age weren't doing. So that started with the 6 a.m. workouts at the high school. And we were partners the very first day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to be. We were the, yeah. We I mean, were the same body weakest type. ones there. Yeah, we were really the same body type and probably the same amount of strength. Um, I think we're probably equal. But I just remember, though, like, people, like, almost making fun of us that first day because, like, the first lift was hand clean. Like, like we were just jumping in these workouts, right. and I, was, I didn't even know what any of these things were other than bench press and squat. Right. Like, and those were still the, a struggle because right. there's still we had never done a foreign before. movement in a sense. Yeah. But, like, we were doing hand cleans, and I remember, like, people making comments to us. And I was almost embarrassed to be there mm -hmm. at first, but then Coach Debrink... I don't know if you remember this at all, but like, it's seriously, it's stuck in my head for years now. But he like came up to us 
and he said something along the lines of like, yeah, they might be poking fun at you now, but you, I mean, you guys are the youngest ones here to see what happens when, when you stick it out. Mm -hmm. And that was really all I needed to hear to feel comfortable in that environment. And just knowing that you and I are on this track together and that's what it, how it was going to be. Right. And so we stuck it out the whole entire summer and that essentially gave me the confidence at least like, like, Hey, like I'm already there. Like I'm, I still have a year left of middle school, but like I'm already on the fast track essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think coach to brink, um, was pivotal for both of us. Um, Huge. and Huge. <laughs> definitely at the time when we first met him and then, you know, throughout high school, probably couldn't have really understood the, the stru his structure and, you know, his discipline and, didn't agree with a lot of his yeah. things, you know, um, being a arrogant teenager. And first off, Coach DeBrink, I mean, he was, he was the assistant football coach. Yeah. He was a former Division One athlete at Iowa Play, State. Yeah, I played Iowa State. Um, and he was the guy, essentially, like that behind-the-scenes mentor that you, one of my first ones I had. Obviously, Dan yeah. was a big one for me. But outside of your family. Um, but outside of my family and immediate, like, friend circle, he was my first big mentor um where he's the guy that's showing up to the school every day at you know 5 30 making sure everything's unlocked volunteering too yeah all volunteering uh workouts all written like everything and then still going to teach and then still yeah i mean he was like one of those figures that every every kid essentially needs at that yeah. age and he was hard he was tough yeah. i mean you're low-key scared of the guy right you know and yeah definitely was scared of him a few times yeah. Um, especially during track. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> Coach T, appreciate you. But no, I think, yeah, so like going back to the Blue Jays thing, you know, when I when we first started playing with each other, I think that was when we were, our bond really started to click, you know, especially on the football field. And especially, um, you know, those first two, three games, you know, I feel like we just went out there and just dominated and really just imposed our power. And... I think, like you said, that, that really came from the year or two before um, and that summer, really, of just, like, putting in the work beforehand and creating that structure of putting in the work in the front end and reaping the benefits in the future. And I right. think that really, you know, kind of just really started that foundation. Um, On a really small scale, too. A very it's small like scale. The, the principles remain. It's like you have something you want to do. And so we were doing this, 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 and this to be able to accomplish that. And you don't realize the power of it at that age, but how simple it is. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of when it all originally started. But then moving into high school, though, like freshman year, like you're talking about, I think that's kind of the age that we were at where it's like, hey, we're in high school now. And it's what are we doing beyond this? Like, what do you want to do? And I remember being at, you know, after school at your house or my house or anywhere and just the things that we would talk about mm -hmm. that I didn't feel comfortable talking about really to anyone else. Because if we were talking about these things openly in front of everyone else, you might come off as arrogant or it's just like unrealistic. Yeah. It's just swept underneath the rug and kind of played off. Yeah, because really I mean, taken serious. well, just like the reality of just the the area that we grew up in in central Iowa, great place to grow up, of course. Right. Um, 
but it wasn't really a commonality for people to accomplish huge things in athletics coming from there. You know, it's not considered a hotbed of talent per se, right. like some other areas of the country might be. And, but to me, it was like, that's, that doesn't have to be accepted as reality for me. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't have any friends or family that had gone outside of that, to me, it was an expectation at that point. I already knew that it was going to happen, but it was how it was going to happen. And same thing for you too. You weren't talking about going to the local JCs. You know, you're, you're talking about going to power five schools. Right. And we were talking about that 14, 15 years old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely started around freshman year and I think freshman year we were both able to come into our own identities in some way of kind of getting that validation because like you said like you know it's that weird age where you're kind of growing up and like you said you're not living on things that. are new like, yeah so much things that your body's changing your mind's changing um you know like you're not living on the day-to-day -day, you know just think about going to school and hang out with your friends or you're thinking about future long-term plans and um when we were going into high school and knowing that that's what we wanted to do and then be able to go out there that freshman year and kind of be able to, you know, make somewhat of an identity for ourselves in, in that aspect with sports, um, I think really kind of was able to spark something <clears throat> in both of us to be able to, <clears throat> my throat, <laughs> um, sorry, um, spark something in both of us to, you know, to kind of be, be able to build off of and, you know, be able to take that vision and that dream actually serious and um, to be able to work for, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, th I think, you know, kind of go back to, to Brink, you know, he, he, like we said, he's probably the first mentor outside of immediate family, you know, or family friends that you and I probably both looked up to, but I think there was other guys too, you know, like you said, Dan Shook, you know, I think it was very pivotal. Huge. Um, probably more so for you than me. Um, he was involved with you at a very young age, um, being a coach, but, um, you know, just, just hearing his speeches and him talk to us and, you know, sit us down one-on-one -on -one and, and, you know, together as well, you know, separating us from the rest of the teams and really believing in us. And then, you know, I think both of our fathers as well, you know, I think your dad, when I was playing on the Blue Jays, like, your dad treated me just like he treated you. And I think he, and, and the rest of the team, and he was very hard on us. And, um... He expected success. He expected so much. And, you he know, I think that really pushed us, um, put us, put us in that uncomfortable level. I think, especially for me, playing baseball, because it wasn't as natural um, to come to me. But, you know, I think it, it created that accountability in me. Because I knew I wasn't as good and as talented that I had to do more um, than maybe what you or some of the other kids on our team because they had been playing and, and had the um, coaching for several years, you know. And I think <laughs> I just, I'll never forget when your dad like cussed me out after that one little league game. But um, <laughs> but but you know my dad too, you know being um, for football, yeah, you know, just me. yeah, yeah, coaching you, um, helping with that, and just like you know, I think <laughs> just his devotion. And, you know, looking back on it, just seeing how much he cared about, you know, obviously me uh, being his son, but just, you know, everyone in, in the team. And we were having those Thursday night um, film meetings when my mom would cook spaghetti and everyone would come Dude, over. Dude, yeah, and stuff. Those, 
those meetings, but also just like when I would just casually come over to your house to hang out on a weekend and there's college football on, there's NFL on, whatever, and we're watching the game. And I remember just like, I appreciate it now so much to see what it did for you, but I just remember watching those games with you guys back then. I'd been so frustrated because you couldn't even watch three plays in a row without him rewinding it and pointing out every single little detail that happened in that play. Right. And obviously, I mean, you were frustrated with it too. You were 12, mm -hmm. 13 years yeah, old. Yeah, and it's my dad. You know, yeah, it's your dad. Day. And I'm, I'm your friend sitting there. You're probably embarrassed and everything. But you look back on it, the knowledge that you got and how to be detail-oriented mm -hmm. developed your instincts at such an early age. Where So much. Right. Yeah on both sides of the ball mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just I, learning everything yeah i definitely think my dad's <laughs> his attention to detail and just his add <laughs> um you know of just picking out every fine little thing and depicting it um has helped me so much of just like naturally just like even though i wasn't I didn't think I was listening and paying attention. I was trying to ignore it, but you know, just hearing you it for so many it years and so many years of him doing it over and over, yeah. um, just integrated just of how to play football and different possibilities and, and not just to think one dimensional. I think that's really what where it taught me that of not just to think of you know about just lines on a paper, think outside the box. You know, what I'm saying of, of trying to be different, trying to do some something new, um, and I think that's really just. That built so much into my who I am as a football player um, today, and then also you know that's also helped me build into who I am as a man as well. Of course, all those figures that we talked about. I mean, yeah. and so many other other ones as well. But I think you know those guys. And if you could sum up essentially this like the the lessons or the principles that were learned and developed between those characters at a young age, discipline. I mean, being in eighth grade, waking up on your own at five o'clock yeah, and tough. being in the gym at six and then going to school at eight and then having practice afterwards after that till six. I mean, right. that's a pretty rigorous schedule for a young kid. And so it develops that discipline. It develops the accountability, knowing that your teammates are there counting on you and just the accountability to the higher standard that you and I would hold each other because my personality is like, I don't want you to beat me. Right. You didn't want me to beat you. And that's why when you talk about how we would clash sometimes, like just playing a pickup basketball game, it ends in a fist fight. Because like desperately, there's no way I would want anyone to, to beat right. me at those things. Even you though it's that much better. And so every... <laughs> I got you a few times. Um, Maybe. But just like every single day was a competition. Oh, yeah. There was not a single day that you could essentially take off or take lightly because that would be the day that you would essentially give up your spot at the top, you know, in, right. the, in the pecking order, the, right. the invisible pecking order back then. But really at that age too, it's like, you know, our freshman year kind of going into our sophomore year is when things like we started to get pretty serious about it, you know, about what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go and being specific about it, talking in detail about here's how it's going to happen. And speeding up into sophomore year, essentially, that's when the label of ATT kind of came into play. Right. With that. The with that whole sophomore year. Yeah, that sophomore year. But essentially, it was around. ATT was around from day one. Right. The complete origins of it started in 
middle school, sixth grade, from the time that we met. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, ATTs, it's about relationships and holding yourself to those standards, and that's when it, that's when it started. Um, but it got its label fall of sophomore year when that, yeah. when that one song came out. Well, I think, you know, it happened, right, it happened when that, when the, the Us song came out at the top. But before that, you know, I, had to, I think I had my breakout year, you know. The first game of the year, honestly. First, was well, yeah. Your first game sophomore year was like, okay, like, I knew this was going to happen, but, like, this is the day that it happened, essentially, against Hoover. Right. When, I mean, you had, like, three touchdowns in five minutes or something, like, something crazy. Yeah, three, three uh, pick sixes and a half or whatever, so yeah. national record. Punt return. I had a punt return that I ended up getting called back, and that was, like, really when... More people, or people outside of myself, I feel like. That was the first time. Or immediate friends, like, saw me do something special. Big, like on a bigger scene. And that was just still a varsity high school football game, but that was the first time that Al Mazzard was in print. Right. And later after that, the article, and like, it was like the front page of the sports page, and you were a sophomore. It was about you breaking whatever record you broke, three touchdowns. and. Three pick sixes and one half was a national record. And you were like holding up a, catching a football, like posing like you were catching a football. And, made... and, front, and uh, Coach Anderson's office from the fat head. Right, yeah. And you're like holding up the triangle. Right. And then around that same time, that song came out, lyrics, I mean, you're saying at the top, it's just us. Yeah. And we already kind of been doing the triangle and it kind of just came a thing mm-hmm. at that point. Um, obviously, it's kind of evolved a little bit since then, but the triangle um, at the top, it kind of just made sense, you know, like you're at the peak of the triangle. And that's how we carry ourselves. I yeah. mean, it could be viewed as arrogant, it could be viewed as cocky, but if you really knew the roots of it all, it's really just a belief in yourself, a belief in each other. Just a belief in that you can be the best you today. Exactly. And it was a daily battle to hold yourself to that standard. Yeah. And it couldn't have been done alone. Yeah, I think battle is a great, great word because it's not easy, you know. It's not something that you can just wake up and just, everyone's able to do it, you know. I think it's something that takes a lot of discipline, um, a lot of commitment and sacrifice right. on multiple levels, you know, long-term, short-term, whatever it may be, and being able to adjust and adapt <clears throat> To any anything that really life hits you with, but even like when you say sacrifice too, like if I think back to the stuff that I did back then, like like what I did when I came home from school, you know, like a lot of times missing my homework because I had other mm-hmm. more important priorities. That, but from the the everyday person or just someone, just a random person, if they saw how I operated back then, but didn't know what was going on, like, internally. I'm sure people could say the same thing about you. It seemed like, like, why, why are you doing that? You know, like, why is it worth, like, why are you putting in that much time? You know, like, why are you, why are you missing this? Like, why is this lacking for this? This is, doesn't even matter. Like, I would, I mean, of course. They're they're putting you in a box, essentially, and not thinking that you could get outside of that box and but when you speak on like sacrifices though and like you think about all the things that you sacrificed back then you continue to sacrifice today 
relationships, time, friends, experiences, like you name it, but I wouldn't even label that a sacrifice in my opinion because the vision that I had for myself and the vision that you had for yourself, like it doesn't feel like a sacrifice when that's what you know you're meant to do. Right. It doesn't feel like that's that's your life. That's mm -hmm. what you embody. So the little things that other people might consider like sacrifices, it's just a part of your part of who you are and what you do. So it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice at that point in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you once you know what you have to do to get there, you know, it just it just makes sense to do it. It makes you know? part it's a part of it. You know, it, you don't question it, it's not tedious, it's not um, time consuming, you know, you enjoy it. It's, it's what you it's what you feel is right, what makes you happy ultimately, you know, and, and it's a part of it's a part of the plan, you know, the part of life of where you, you have to do this today so you can get to wherever tomorrow, essentially. And so on and so on. But um, kind of going back to ATT, um, I know for me, when I really far, first started getting popularity or getting some acknowledgement um, outside of the local Des Moines area was when I got my first offer. And um, really my first three offers, but my first offer came um, right after sophomore year I had concluded. I remember I was sitting in my living room, um, like middle of May, and Coach, Coach Rhodes had called me um, and said he wanted to offer me. And I just remember being so ecstatic <laughs> and, like, not really believing, like, that was a, a real thing, you know? Yeah. Like, or that like, happened at such a young age. Right. And, and, and it's just, like, I had never heard of anyone else doing that, you know? And it, so it seems almost like a mythical thing because I had no one else to relate that experience for, to. Yeah, for, for, to use as reference. Right. And so when it happened, it was like somewhat surreal, you know, and I, I definitely remember crying a little bit, um, getting teary-eyed, and just like realizing like, wow, like this is, <laughs> this is actually happening, you know, and, and I remember it happened like so organically and naturally, like it wasn't like it was, you know, I went out, I'm going to go play this game and then this is what's going to happen, the coach is going to call me after or whatever, no, it was just a random day, I remember sitting in my living room playing 2K12, and coach called me, you know, and it was just like, just have us so naturally and organically. I think that just really started to show me of like, that's how life is, you know, right. and that's learning how to accept life. And those events going to come out of you are going to come out of nowhere. And really, they could be positive or negative. But, you know, at, ultimately, it's you're going to reap the, the fruits of your labor, whether it's good or bad. Exactly. You know, and at that point for you, like, I know you're really big on a big believer on manifesting and that was probably your first experience where you had set an intention however back long it was that you were going to play at that level and so you did what you had to do to get there and then it happened seemingly out of nowhere but it happened and then same thing for me too it's like you fast forward your first offer was in May my first offer was in June. Yeah. It was, or July, end of our baseball season. Yeah. And I remember exactly vividly what my experience was with my first one, too. And first off, to back up, I believe in eighth grade, I had set the goal going into high school that I wanted to get a scholarship from the University of Iowa. Mm -hmm. That was my 
favorite school. Um, I wanted to play. I wanted to play for Iowa. And uh, <laughs> um, you know, you got your first offer from Iowa State, your favorite school. Yeah. And then two months later, it was our last game of sophomore year. We were playing in the district or sub-state semifinal, I believe, against Johnston. And I had a really good game, and I remember the Iowa coach being there. And I remember calling you the next day because I had a great game, and I was like, I was like, hey, like, do you think I should call the coach? Like, and you're like, yeah, just call him. Yeah. And it was so weird how it happened because I had made the decision I was going to call the coach. And I don't know what I was going to say, but I was, you know, 15, 16 years old, and I was like, I'm just going to call this coach because he was yeah. at my game yesterday, and I showed out. And it was probably 20 minutes later, I was probably debating what I was going to say, but 20 minutes later, I got a call from him. He called me. Yeah. And same exact thing. He offered me on the phone. It was kind of different because you were kind of just chilling. You're right. And to me, it seemed like I was actively pursuing it because I right. was going to call the guy, but then just so happened, just how life worked out is right. he called me. But what was crazy is in eighth grade, when I had set the intention that I was going to play at this level, I was hopeful that it would happen by the time I graduated high school. But that's how crazy it is when you set the intention and the goal and it's clear and concrete in your head and you take just massive action towards that goal, how quick it can speed up and happen. And then so from there, it was like a paradigm shift for me where it's like, damn, I accomplished like my goal. Like I can go to Iowa if I want. I was hoping I could go there by my senior year. Well, mm -hmm. now it's here at my sophomore year. Yeah. It's like, what, 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 what do I do yeah, now? Like, do, I, do I take the foot off the gas pedal because I did it? Right. And do I just, like, commit to Iowa? Or do I expand more? And then you went through the same exact thing, too, where yeah. it's like, Iowa State, I'm sure, for you, going up, seeing your dad play there. Yeah. Eventually, your brother going there. Right. It was like, you've envisioned yourself playing for Iowa State. I envisioned myself playing for Iowa. So that's the first school you think about. But then it's like, how much more of a reach can I, can I establish? How much, how farther can I go? Right. And so that's when really things escalated with ATT where it's like, ATT is a thing. We know what it represented. It represented the, the mindset that we had, the lifestyle that we live and the standards that we would hold each other accountable to. And it was not letting your foot off the gas pedal it's pushing it down even farther how much more can you get out of it so that's been for me when i started going crazy like mm -hmm. i would just like i got that one and i just try to snowball it i try to build on that success and i've heard you talk a lot about that you knock one thing wrong off the ladder what's the next one how high more how much higher can you reach yeah and so that's when too around the same time where you started when did you go to the opening? Was it junior year? It wasn't until the next summer. The yeah. next summer? Yeah, well, well, so to backtrack a little bit too, my sophomore year, all I did was really play safety and defense. Right. Um, I played a little offense, but I wasn't really a wide receiver, you know, or that wasn't my identity as a football player was offense. Yeah. Um, but growing up, I had played wide receiver um, really since sixth grade um, with the Jaguars, and... Um, that's when I started like really watching football for specific players, you know, watching Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, um, Marquise Colson, and guys like that, um, and paying attention to a certain position rather than just watching 
football just to watch football. And so I really, I really, you know, that's that's where I envisioned myself as playing a receiver in the National Football League. That's really kind of where it started. So when I ended up playing um, sophomore year, and I was just primarily playing defense, I think that's what helped me excel, you know, having those three pick sixes, pick sixes because, you know, I was using my wide receiver's skill set or mindset. Just on the other, just side, on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, using the my brain defense um, that my dad had kind of coached me up on to be instinctual. But, you know, it wasn't really till my junior year is when I broke out as a wide receiver. Um, so my first three offers really were for defense. <laughs> just as probably an athlete. Just as an athlete, yeah, really an athlete, um, primarily just from my, my defensive film. But then my junior year is really when I made a lot of noise. You're on the national scene. And, and yeah, and I expanded, you know, my three offers at that time were Iowa, Iowa State, and Nebraska, which are the three pretty close local schools. Um, and by the end of my by the end of my junior year, I believe I had. But by the end of the, I, by the time I ended up signing in my national out of town, I think I had seven or eight offers. Um, and I picked up like Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Notre Dame, LSU. I think that was it. But um. Getting that attention from a na like from those bigger schools, really made me question. Not necessarily question, but like realize, um, you know, I'm getting the validation that I'm better than just than just this local scale of mm -hmm. you know Central Iowa or yeah. the Midwest. That you know, watching guys like DeAnthony Thomas play for Oregon and guys all around you know the country play for these different teams and realizing that. I could go out there and really do that and kind of having that validation is really, I think, the second part of getting that momentum going. You know, I, I can remember countless times throughout my entire career of getting the validation of a simple conversation or a simple, like, acknowledgement from some certain players, coaches, yeah. players, coaches, families, friends, or whatever, interactions that helped me realize I was on the right path and I was doing the right thing. And those are kind of like the life checkpoints, you know. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you know what you're doing is right, you know what I mean? And, and you're heading the right way. So once, once I got that first one, or, you know, this is, I think, was my first one from a national scale. And then really what spring-loaded that even more so was um, after my junior year, I remember February, I was like sitting in, in my study hall class, and I remember, I don't know if you were as much as I was, but I remember I was really heavy into like Rivals and ESPN. And that was like perfect game. Yeah, but perfect yeah. game, exactly. Um, just tracking that, you know, watching the kids before us, getting um, who's going where to what schools, what players, you know. So I remember like almost studying the classes, the class of 15, or class of uh, 13 and class of 12. I did the same thing. You know, just like... Trying to compare yourself to... Yeah, comparing myself like constantly, yeah. constantly. Um, seeing how I would match up. Height, weight, speed, you know, highlight videos. You know, I just remember constantly spending time on, on that website. But my junior year, and I was going to sit in Spanish class, you know, I would get on there every day, almost, and watching different other people on Rivals. And it finally came out for the four, 2014 class, the final ranking, or the first rankings, official rankings. 
and I remember I was ranked the first wide receiver for the 2014 class, and I remember just staring at the, the screen, and, like, I was scared. Yeah. I was, like, I was terrified. And that was, like, the first time that you got, like, outside expectations to perform right. at a certain level. Right, and that was the first time, like you said, it was just, like, <clears throat> I knew that's what I was going for, and that's what I wanted, ultimately, but I wasn't ready for it, essentially, you know? I didn't know what it, what it meant to hold the number one title and and it and in a sense like i don't even want to make it a big thing of the number one that those rankings even mean anything (laughs) to begin with but at the time but by the the time it 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 does to a certain extent because that's what helped push me and motivated me you know what i'm saying as far as now i think you know a little bit different of it but um during that time time period i think it was huge um because it allowed me to compare myself and allowed me to compete uh, with myself, um, knowing I had something to go against me, but I'll never forget, like, that was the ultimate, like, holy shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, me too, and, 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 that. and I remember Josh Hemholt, who was the, the head of the rivals for, like, the Midwest, and um, he had called me in a few times, we had a couple of interactions, and I just remember him just, you know, interviewing me all the time, and he was really the only person that did. Like, you don't really get interviewed as a, as a high school no. Especially back then. I think it looks a little bit more different now, just with social media and everything. Different but platforms I think, you know, when we were, it was kind of a little bit still, you know, outdated. Not outdated, but uh, just not really a norm, I guess. You had a couple platforms that you can get attention on. Right. There, there was some, yeah. like, message or message boards and stuff like that that right. would reach out. But it really wasn't too big. But Josh Hemholt, you know, from Rivals being, like, the biggest, in my eyes, the biggest football um, high school recruiting website um, for him to reach out to me and, and really I knew that you know he was kind of a, a reason for why I got that number one tag and, right. and believing in me and that was the first time anyone outside of the local Des Moines area or you know we talked about to brink um, being outside of our immediate family like this is first first person really outside of Iowa that outside of the national scale is your honor, first like that like person taking says experience. like hey I like that kid and right. I think he's really good and I believe in him and I don't know this guy at all. And that just, like, that was the ultimate, like, like flame that really started and sparked me and really helped me with the whole ATT mindset of being at the top. And I was like, because I remember, I, you know, I, I held that title and then I went out there that summer and <laughs> I didn't perform, in a sense, um, at those camps, you know, to, to a high performance level. And, you know, I ended up losing the ranking or whatever. No, just, just what I was going to ask you, like, do you, what kind of problems do you think occurred where it was like you maybe fell into the outside pressure of having that title or the outside pressure of just expecting you to succeed at a certain level? Did you go through any, I guess, experiences where... It's like, oh yeah, now looking back, like I didn't have to act that way or think that way or Yeah, I think it was more so like like we had hit on beforehand, like I would where we grew up our our community wasn't a hotbed for, for a lot of athletes and it was hard to look up to you know look up to someone else that was locally. That, locally. Yeah. Um that that we could somewhat you know follow their path you know right. and because I felt like what we were doing was we were surpassing pe- we were surpassing people that were 
essentially our idols when we were, you know, middle school, we were looking up to the high schooler kids, and, you know, once we first got into high school, it was the seniors and that stuff, and, you know, we were seeing those people, that's, you know, that was the end of their careers, You're essentially. You're kind of uncharted territory at that point. Right. You know? and, and, and even for your, like, family, too, my family. Right. It's 100%. like everything's a new experience, so, of course, there's going to be trial and error into that. Yeah. And, like, my experience, like, jumping the gun in a sense of, I felt like I had to commit, you know, I, I started getting my first offers. I felt like I had to commit. Kansas State, you know, it was like Power 5 school, Big 12, like right. good facility and everything. Like everything checked out and I I pulled the trigger, you know. But at the time I was like six foot, like a buck <laughs> sixty soaking wet, you know. And then the next year, like junior year, 25 pounds heavier, right. you know. So like for me... And I know, like, you're really big. Like, you always talk to me now, and you've probably been one of my my personal biggest mentors in this area because it's not my nature to do this, but sitting back and being patient and letting things play out the way they're supposed to, where for me it's like I have a tendency sometimes to be like, oh, this is happening, like, let's do it. You know, like, being more, like, quick and trying right. to get these things done versus just letting it all play out where... You had, you know, essentially the experience of going on more visits and, you know, entertaining other offers from different schools. Right. Where for me, after Iowa... You shut it down. And a couple of the other, yeah. like, Midwest schools, you know, I saw Kansas State and I, I just did it. Right. You know, but then in the meantime, I'm still picking up my workload. I'm getting bigger, faster, stronger, and I am getting attention from schools on the national scale, but... I had I had given my word to Kansas State, you know, that I so I had my hands tied essentially, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I remember when we both committed. Well, one let's let's talk about when I committed. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Honestly. Um, For, yeah, I think I should take this one honestly. <laughs> you want to? I want to tell my <laughs> side, then I want to hear your side. Uh, who should go first? You think? Should I tell my story? Yeah. I don't know. No, well, I think I think yours. I like your. Well, right. first off, like I did not like back then. I did not want you to go there. I wasn't <laughs> right, right. And I was. I mean, I've always been blunt with you. Like I will tell you whatever's on my mind, I'll and that's again. That's why we have. That's why our relationship is so strong. But that's why we also bump heads because mm -hmm. like you're we'll the same way with me. Yeah, you'll tell we disagree. me. You'll tell me when I'm off. I'll tell you when you're off. And to me, like, you were totally, it was a biased opinion, of course. You were, <laughs> you were missing on that <laughs> big time, you know? So, like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, I didn't expect you to suit up in the black and gold by any means, but, right. I mean, you were. We you, talked about it, though. Yeah. We I both mean, talked about it. We both, you, you came know, to an Iowa game with me, bro. Right. Like, and right. you're like, I took a visit there, and, and we, we really, our vision was, like, play at the same school. Playing at the same school. Right. And ultimately playing in the same city. Dude, I remember, uh, I remember, like, you, you would get, like, an offer from a school, or like, you would, like, get a letter or something, right. and then I was like, alright, I gotta go get them, <laughs> you know, it's like, we right. talked about some crazy schools, too, I mean, like, Ohio State, Miami, yeah. LSU, yeah, um, Oregon, but, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we kind of just, oh, back to the, oh, yeah, back to the, the commitment day. So, yeah, I didn't want you to go there, of course. Like, that was one I was hoping you weren't because I was seeing all the other schools on the board. I was like, look at that one. Like, oh, you can play in the horseshoe, dude. Right. Like, 
Um, but then it was just. But like, I didn't have the offers at the time yet, though, either. Right. At that time, all I had was but you Iowa, still, Iowa State and Nebraska. Nebraska. And this was right after my sophomore year. No, right after my junior year. We did commit around the same time. I totally forgot about that. It was right after my junior You committed first, right? I committed first. Yeah, because you committed in November. Yeah, that's right. I committed in December. It's <laughs> not funny. Yeah, How close was it to your birthday? Would you, um, <sighs> it was like December 3rd or something like that. Really? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you. it was just a regular day. I mean, nothing crazy going on or anything, but Coach Rhodes was visiting the school that afternoon. Right. I got word. It was like after our, it was in the morning, and you come up to me, and you're like, hey, hey don't tell anyone this. And I was like, what? And I thought you were going to say something stupid. <laughs> and you're like, uh... <laughs> You were like, I'm a, I'm committed to Iowa State today. Right. And I just remember being so pissed. And I was like, dude, no. <laughs> and uh, I was like, have you, you didn't, I remember you didn't believe me at first. Yeah, I didn't believe you at first. And then you uh, you said you hadn't even told your parents yet. And I was like, <laughs> I was the first person you told that you were committing to Iowa State. And I still did not believe you until you called me after you met him. And then it was all over Twitter and everything. Like right. that you had committed and it was blowing up. And that's another reason, too. Like, I feel like a lot of young athletes cannot fall into the trap committing. of committing just for clout. Yeah, because, yeah. to be honest with myself, like, of course, like, I'm 16 years old, 15, 16 years you old. You see like, that instant gratification. You see, like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so verbally committed to whatever school. And it's like, oh, I got offers, too. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, you get more attention. And um, I'm that probably played a part in it for me. I think you know? we both made the made the mistake of we both wanted the gratification and to do it to you have know, a label but, yeah to have that label and the acknowledgement and because it was like all right let me finally commit so i know where i'm going and this is where i'm going to you know to set out a goal because it's hard to to envision those goals when you don't even know where you're going to be right you know what i'm saying and we got to the point where where we, how we were raised on being so loyal to our word and everything you know we just did the first thing that really felt natural yeah, and, it just felt right. For and me. felt right, you know, and, and really not say it was a mistake, but you know, I think making that decision at that, <laughs> doing how I did it, um, which I guess I can get into now, but but yeah, so I just remember, like I said, I remember telling you um that day and I remember like walking down towards PE class because I meet met him in uh, Coach Anderson's office and I was nervous, nervous as shit the whole time. Yeah. And then I remember Coach like talking to me. We were sitting in his office. He's talking to me and saying how much you know he, you know, loved loved my film and and thought of what I could do for Iowa State and for the future and everything. And I was like, yeah, Coach, like I would love to do that, and that's why I'm gonna commit. He said, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> <laughs> Slaps the chair, and I just remember like giving him a hug, and I just felt like, man, like I was just like, I'm doing the right thing. You know? It just felt right. It just felt so right. So did you, after you committed, and just to be totally transparent, like how many times did you, like, because of course, like, you know, that's the coach's job. And this is something you don't realize when you're younger too. It's like, it's their job to sell you on right. everything. The experience is going to be perfect. Everyone's going to be super nice to you. Mm -hmm. And of course, like the reality, no matter what, it's going to be different when you actually show up, even if it is the right fit. Right. But how often did you feel like, Hey, did it, am I doing the right thing? Like, of course, in the moment, it feels right. Mm -hmm. It felt right when I committed to Kansas State. 
Like, I was probably on the verge of committing to Iowa, too, because that felt right. Everything felt right when you're on the visit. But I guess, yeah, how often do you think over the next couple years before signing day? Well, well, let me take you a little bit back further to, like, why I committed at the moment. Um, Iowa State was heading in the right direction at that time. They were 6-6, and going to... um, fourth, fifth straight bowl game, maybe. Um, and it looked like they had a bright future. My brother had just en- enrolled there that, that fall. Um, so I, I had a familiar face up there that I could know and trust. And then so you just been on the campus your whole life. And I, and, yeah, and my dad and parents, and I've lived 30, 40 minutes away, you know, so it's yeah. hard not to. Um, but it's also, I think a big part of that also plays into my experience that I had with Ohio State earlier. And... I had drove out to Ohio State, out to Columbus, remember, right after a football game. It was probably like nine hours driving through the night to go to the game. The game was a night game. And I remember going up to Coach Urban Meyer's off or his hotel room and meeting him. And like that being like the first like ultra figure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That like I was like figure. shook. Right. On like, this is someone I've heard about on TV. You know, and this didn't seem like a real person. I was able to finally meet him, and that experience, you know, shook me. But at the same time, by the, by the end of it, to kind of to wrap up that experience, he basically said, you know, I, I really like your film, and, you know, I think you're really talented, but I want to wait to see if we want to offer you. And that right there <clears throat> just, like, shook me because of, like, I did all this just, to, just for you to come out here, just to come out here and for you to tell me that was kind of like a slap in the face and like I felt <clears throat> disrespected in a sense. And so relating that relating that relationship right there back to the one I had with Iowa State where it was You were actually also, wanted when yeah. I was super wanted sunshine and dance like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything was perfect. Every time I go up there I got so much love and attention and you know, especially as a 15, 16 year old, you know, you don't get that. You know, when do you really experience that or like how do you know how to how to go about experiencing those things you know and getting the stardom and people recognizing you and and the public eye and everything so I think that's why I kind of like rushed into it and then throughout the next 17 months or whatever it was until I signed that I was gonna like end up having a bad year the next year going three and nine and like I said earlier you know I think two things one I valued my word so much because I feel like that's how I was raised. And, you know, I don't want anyone to ever disrespect my word or to think it's not worth anything or it's not valuable. I want, you know, whatever I, when I speak, I want to be people to listen, to understand, and to To have the trust. Yeah. To have the trust. And, you know, I, I, I value that so much with each and every relationship that I have. And another part of that is that. My vision the whole time was never <laughs> to go to Iowa State and to have a great career and that be it. My goal was to play in the NFL. Yeah. So it didn't matter what school I went to in a sense. You know what I mean? Because it's just a, it's just a segue. Right. That's your vehicle of choice. Right. To your final destination. And and <laughs> like like you said, it's it my segue, my vehicle of choice to kind of get to the NFL. So. I knew that's where I wanted to go, so it didn't really matter to me. And I knew, or I believed in myself so much. Like, I, 
looking back, I was crazy, like on how much I believed in myself that I would go there and be able to completely change everything and be able to go on the like every game I went to, and I still do now. I guess is like I don't, it's I just never think about losing. Yeah, you know, and, and it's asinine in a sense, but like that's really what I believed as a kid, like going to Iowa State that I was going to go there and change the program to be this national championship program winning program, and looking back. My record doesn't reflect that, but I feel like you squeeze as much as you could out. But, of it. but yeah, I, I did. I gave the most I ever could to that university, to my teammates, and my coaches there, um, every single game. And I think what I did then is reaping more benefits now. When you see the success of the program, or at least I hope so, um, to see where it's going to in the future as well. So knowing that, you know, I may not be the one hosting up the trophies and all that stuff. Which, you know, I was very fortunate to do my senior year, but to get all that stardom and fame, because, you know, for me at Iowa State, it was like comparing myself to the basketball players who were going to the Sweet 16 every year and, and playing these top top 10 games and winning them. And, you know, like that's that's what I dreamed about and that's why I, I craved. And I was like, damn, I, I never felt like I was doing it. But I was in a sense because I was still pushing myself every single day. And even though I didn't get the wins in the, in the, uh, the bowl game trophies and all that stuff, you know, it helped me put me in the position where I am today and the university to where it is now. So I think it ultimately, you know, kind of really helped form me into, to push me, you know, right. to give me motivation. Absolutely. And also I think another, just from an outsider's perspective and, you know, Still, I mean, we we're obviously super in touch all those years that you were there. So like those down years that you had, you know, I remember exactly how, how those were. I mean, yeah. how bad that you wanted to win, but it just wasn't happening. Yeah. And that, I think, Iowa State for you really kind of gave you the first experience of failure and adversity. Even though personally you were succeeding... Right. But the team that you were on was failing. The program was failing. You had a coaching change. All those balance, things yeah. that to essentially throw you off your path were happening while you were in college. Mm -hmm. But that ATT like mindset that you started, that we started at that young age, you know, that carries you through times like that where you knew that wasn't your final destination. It wasn't your end all be all. You're gonna give it all you have, but you're taking blows along the way you know and that was kind of the first time I think where you had to experience going through hard times of adversity right. and then obviously you know what happened towards the tail end before you made the leap into the league you know like I mean that's probably one of your biggest defining moments was on draft day right you know at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think, you know, Coach Campbell and his staff, Rudy Wade, I think was a huge part of it as well, of just really helping, you know, they pushed me to a level that I didn't even, like, know was there. And really, I didn't even get to tap into while I was there. But they they always held me to this, this crazy high standard that I really couldn't ever contemplate because... No one else was was reaching that that level yeah. of standard, so I didn't even. How could I reach this level when I've never seen it before? Or, or, you know, have an example. But isn't it funny how kind of like life goes through in cycles? Where that Campbell to you at that time in your life was to bring, right, 
and our other coaches and mentors Six years at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's the same exact thing, just on a much higher scale. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have that figure that's going to push you out of your comfort zone. But then internally, you have your own personal standard too that reaches even beyond that. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, a good program has standards, has a good culture, all those things. But at the end of the day, like, if you're just still fitting into that mold, technically that's bare minimum, you know? Absolutely. So it's like holding yourself to that even higher personal standard that really only you know what the definition of it is. And Mm -hmm. you, at the end of the night, can look yourself in the mirror and know if you're reaching it or not. You're the only one that can answer that question. Right. And that's something I didn't even realize, you know, I didn't even come to fruition with until really I was in the league already. Yeah. You know, I was in Jacksonville. So my time at Iowa State, you know, I just remember Coach Wade especially just being on me all the time. The, the, The works that we did were just so... (laughs) <laughs> just so tiring, so draining, so like mentally battling. Like, I just remember, I know for a fact that I'm as mentally strong purely because of those experiences of getting through those moments. Mm-hmm. And and what it taught me was a lot that none of it was was my physical attributes. It was the will to do something. It was the want to do it, and the mindset, and. Like I said, I didn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't really fully understand that at that time at Iowa State. But like you said, on draft day, which was you know probably the <laughs> lowest point in my life, I would say, um, or one of the, um, it was it was rough. I mean, you were there, you saw what happened and everything, and really not knowing how to handle that at that time. But it was really everything before that, you know, the hardship at Iowa State, you know. Um, the struggles in high school and trying to make varsity and then um, trying to get recognized at a national scale and everything. I think, you know, all the different adversities that I had gone through in life really prepared me for Big ones. the biggest adversity that I was facing. And in a sense, it was life or death, you know. I mean, at this point in my life, I had built such a, much of an identity into football as well that that's what it felt like. Yeah. And... Knowing that my my hopes and dreams and my vision of what I wanted to do in my career was could become to an abrupt end, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know, um, really helped spark and motivate and push me to the level that those guys were trying to do. And you know, I think a lot of it w- was because I was comfortable at Iowa State. You know, and I, I think, you know, not if I wasn't have had had that adversity when it happened, you know, if I would have got drafted, who knows what would have happened. Maybe I still would have been. It like shook your life. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, maybe I should have been very content. And I would try to work harder. And next thing you know, I get cut. And then whatever. But now I think, you know, having to face that hardest part from the beginning and I was able to get through the hardest part made me realize that in a sense it's almost smooth sailing from here. You know, I've I've broken through that barrier. I've proven, I've proven myself right, which I think is the most important part. But I've also been able to prove other people wrong, which I think you know really has almost like it's like a such a great feeling in a sense. You know, to be able to go out there and prove other people wrong and something that can really build momentum off of. And you know, it's in a sense now it's like I look for anything 
for you to tell me I can't do so I can do it. Right. You know, and I think that's really what what going undrafted. You, you embrace going undrafted. people almost even more that hate on you versus the ones that support you. Right. But like on draft day, I like I remember of course that day being there. I mean, it was it was terrible. I mean, just watching all those names come off the board mm -hmm. and knowing your talent, knowing who you were as a person, and knowing how much you deserved it. Not seeing it happen that day, but and seeing other people like go that yeah that you were yeah of course but clearly by them. But I just remember right afterwards, like you and I talking. But I personally had like, I was disappointed, but I also felt like at peace because I mean, I, of course, very vested into your career right. and I want to see you do everything that you, you say that you're doing, you know? And that was essentially the first time that you said you're going to do something and it didn't happen. But I felt like at peace knowing that, Hey, it's, if, if it didn't happen this way, it's going to happen another way happened to be Jacksonville, you know, I, and I thought that like, you were going to go out there and, you know, just be, be who you're going to be no matter what. Right. And of course, I mean, Jacksonville was even next level adversity beyond that, where mm -hmm. you went through a period of time where you were still getting zero recognition for the talent, the person that you were, Yeah. you know? Yeah. I think Jacksonville was such a pivotal moment and <laughs> And it's funny because I honestly, it's almost like I almost blacked that part of my life out in a sense because of the of where I was as mentally, you know, was, where I was yeah. at mentally. It was and, like a fog almost. Yeah, and and it was a such a struggle and low point in my life of my identity of who I was and what I was doing, and if I was doing, you know, what was I doing? What was my purpose? And I wasn't getting recognition for what I was putting in so much effort and time into and trying to prove people that I could go out there and play. I remember just like the practices there, I would just be dead every single day, you know, 100 degree heat um, and and taking every rep at practice because that's what you have to do as a, as a P-Squad guy, you know, and you don't get to go out there play. You have to hit the extra workouts, you know, you get paid less. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it was it was a huge struggle, and I was in my first time away from home um, in a very unfamiliar city, and it, it was the most adversity I probably had faced. And I think just going through that time period, and then once I was able to get that call, like, I remember getting the call from my agent telling me that I was, that Green Bay wanted to activate me, and... Um, to make me on the active roster, and I just remember, like, it just all clicked. Like, it just all clicked, and it all made sense, and at that time, up until that moment, it didn't, you know? There was yeah. there was no vision, there was no, I didn't know what, what was going on. And then, once I finally got that call, literally out of nowhere on a Tuesday morning from my from my agent, the, the last time I was expecting, you know, it was week 15, yeah. um, going into week 16, and, you know, I was disappointed because I knew that no matter what, I was gonna, wasn't going to be able to get a credit season. And I think that was huge, you know, especially for me at that time. Uh, just getting the acknowledgement to say that I played a year, you know, and to, to get that chance. And 
because I didn't, and you know, it, was, it just felt so disrespectful that other players, you know, got the ability to do that. Yeah. And so when I got that call to to to, to come to Green Bay, it just like I said, it just clicked, and I instantly knew what I was doing and where I was going, right. and how I was going to get there. And really, ever since I've touched down in Green Bay, I feel like my my mindset and my path and my vision has been clearer than day. But, you know, obviously there's still been some hiccups up, upon this up, up, upon this journey, even up until now, even especially right now. But, but the big things that you got out of the way earlier, having that experience, you know, helps those little hiccups. They just seem like speed bumps at this point. Any other big ones that are to come in the future, because, you know, they will. You've already had the experience of going through that, so you can navigate through it better. But I remember that transition, too, very vividly, where going from Jacksonville to Green Bay, I remember you calling me right afterwards. All right. And I could just hear how elated you were in your voice, you know, how excited you were, like a weight had been lifted off your shoulders, mm -hmm. and that you were getting your foot in the door, essentially. And you play that one game to get one target, one reception, seven one play, yards. Yeah. Yeah, seven-yard catch. And then the next thing you know, you're in the offseason. Packers were in the playoffs. You know, you're in the offseason. You, you're in Denver. Um, and I remember we were hanging out in the offseason. Yeah, I drove out. Came yeah. visit you for a little bit. Yeah, so we were hanging out in the offseason. And, you know, at, at, up until that point, your career essentially was you went undrafted. Yeah. You got cut from Jacksonville, you're on the practice squad all year, getting the shit kicked out of you. Mm -hmm. Then you get activated by Green Bay and you have one catch for seven yards and then all of a sudden you're in the offseason. That was your career up to that point. And so from any probably outsider looking in, it's like, you know, you have the most pivotal year of your life coming up, you know, and it could go one of two ways. You either make it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And so when you're not you, you think about probably, you think about all the possibilities of what could happen. As your friend, I was thinking about all the possibilities. Like, I, yeah. I don't know who Alan Lazard is outside of, you know, football, if that makes sense. It's like, you're a football player. Like, what would you do if you're not a football player? That's what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. So, I remember you just, we were talking and you were almost talking to yourself. You were just saying all these things that were going to happen. And it was like you were, how, you were just going through a, a moment of visualization of this is how it's going to be. And you're telling yourself out loud how it's going to be. I just happened to be in the room, you know. And I kind of just interrupted you. And I was like, like, have you ever thought about, you know, like, what if you, what if you don't make it? What if I got cut? Yeah, what if you get cut again? And you kind of just sat there, it seemed like, for minutes, and you just looked at me dead in the eyes, you're like, never even thought about it. You know, so to me, like, that moment right there just really showed me, like, the real power of the belief that you had in yourself, that it was like, no, there's, that's not going to happen. Like, I know that I'm going to do this. Like, this door opened because... It opened for a purpose, you know? Otherwise, you'd still be in Jacksonville. Like, something was going to come of it. And to you, you already knew exactly what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think looking back on that moment, right, and looking back on that experience in the off season, how 
and why my vision was like that because when I got that call to Green Bay and I came up here, my mindset going into the offseason was I was on the active 53. They played me. Why wouldn't they play me again next year? You yeah. know? Like I, like the whole how the how the league turnovers and everything and people get released from the, the contracts and there's a, the new class in and then you know, off-season acquires, free agencies. Like, I didn't really fully understand that whole process and the position that I was actually in. Like, I, I believed in myself as I was one of the, you know, not a starter maybe, yeah. but I was definitely one of the guys. You're on the team. Yeah, and, and definitely, like, in the room. And then I remember when I first got back here for the first day of um, spring training, and I was dead last on the... On the de every depth chart, <laughs> and I was so confused. Yeah, and I was just like, like, wait, what? Like, how? Why? What? Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized, like, okay, like this is just you know another obstacle, another right. speed bump. It's yeah. just you having to prove yourself again. Yeah, and, and it's something that you just were already used to at that point. Yeah, so and, like, I, okay. and I realized. Whenever my back was against the wall, like that's when I performed my best. That's when you feel your best, and that's Absolutely. when that's when I was able to do do or have my best performances. And starting out in that spring, you know, I didn't do that. I, I was not probably the best wide receiver I probably could have been from an on the field and off the field standpoint. But then that summer, you know, coming back and going to the fall camp and realizing that, like, especially being a bigger receiver, like, I knew a lot of my game was physicalness and be able to put on pads, and we can't do that in the off season. But we're also, I was also learning a whole new offense. I didn't understand a lot of shit. Um, and, but I was still hungry. And it was funny because I felt like, like, at the time, like, no one was really helping me. You know, I didn't feel like the coaches were really... You're kind of on your own at that point. Yeah. Like, figure it out or don't. Yeah, I figured, you know, I really felt that. And because of that, like, I started to make myself more accountable and put more pressure on myself doing things and realizing that I had to stick out in different ways. And so I focused on the smaller details, kind of going back to how we talked about my dad and how he would focus on every little thing yeah. from the O-line to the quarterback to the DB to the linebacker to the ref <laughs> you know like that's how I started applicking myself towards football and trying to be great in every little facet of the game and knowing that I wasn't going to be the fastest out there I wasn't going to be the quickest but you know I could I could be the best blocking you know I could be the the smartest and if I can know what the defense was doing it could put me in a way better position and um, I could be able to build that relationship and that trust with, with Aaron. You know, that was my first goal was just to be able to go out there and just to be able to play with, to play alongside him. Earn his trust, yeah. And to earn his trust and, you know, that's something that I still even hone in for today because I know he it's has... It's like a daily challenge. It is, yeah. you know, and, you know, it's in a sense I'm competing with Devante every single day because, you know, they've had seven, eight, seven years together right. of knowing and playing. And, you know, then I also recognize the fact that he's played with other great guys as well. You know, Jordy, Randall, um, all those guys. And, like, so my my competition now isn't even, like, me or Devontae. It's, like, I'm trying to be the best that he's ever played with. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and that's what really motivates me now and, like, helps me push me to that next level. And 
I know I'm so far away from it, you know, like such a end goal career essentially that I know I won't be comfortable anytime soon. Right. And, you know, that's think, a good thing. But yeah, and I think that's what, you know, and having obviously Devontae in the room right now is, is, is a big reason for that of why I can't be. Um, but I think kind of going back to going through camp and everything, you know, I, I did everything. I made that shift going into camp and I knew I was making the plays I needed to make and I was getting the praise from, from him, from Aaron, other guys, um, from, from reporters, you know, and, and that's like that, just like you talk about, like the first time that you started getting attention from rivals. Right. So now on the bigger scale, it's like you're starting to get that gratification that you belong here from more national media mm-hmm. or the local media in Green Bay, you know, right. NFL. Um, but that's giving you the feedback essentially that you have, that you need or that you've gotten, but now it's on a bigger scale. Right. Right, and kind of going towards that validation thing of when Josh Hemholt first named me the number one wide receiver. And then I remember specifically Aaron coming up to me in the lunch line one day and asking me, what do I have to do to get 13 down on my field? And it just instantly just like, wow, you know, this is what I set out to do essentially, and this is what's happening. Wow. And... Now I have to do it. You know, it created that such a huge accountability. An urgency, essentially. Yeah, an urgency and accountability in myself. Like, oh, the moment's here. Like, if you don't capture this moment now, then it's gone forever. It's, it's gone forever. And, and that just really motivated me and pushed me to a, to a whole other level. And, um, but yeah, I think it also prepared me for a lot of things, too. Um, just earning his trust and his accountability um, and his praise. Um, helped me fight through the fact that I ended up getting cut, you know, later that, after the training camp, you know, and that was another low point, too. Um, you know, not only had I gotten cut the year before. You almost forget about that, too. Like, And a lot of people do, and, and I remember that was one of the hardest moments of my life, you know, comparing to the, the draft and then getting cut and kind of experiencing my year in Jacksonville. But then now I had, like you said, like my vision was so clear and so picture perfect and then I just couldn't even see myself getting cut, like you said. And so when that hit, it just hit me out of, like, sideways, out of nowhere. And it was hard to deal with. But I was very fortunate to be with Kevin King at that time. And the relationship that I built with him up until that moment was so substantial into helping me battle through that adversity of getting cut. And him being there at that moment and kind of just talking through things, but also just being a great friend and mentor for me um, has helped me get to where I am today. But, you know, getting cut and kind of going through that whole thing, like, it just only motivated me even more. Right. Especially because at that time I was broke. And a typical person, too, is like, okay, it happened again. Like, right. that could be easily, like, where Alan Lazard gets defeated. Right. Is when you get activated, you go through a whole offseason boom, you get cut again after a good preseason, too. Like, that time you actually had a chance to prove yourself, or in Jacksonville, right. you were barely on the field at all. Like, it's almost exactly. like you knew you were getting cut. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, I mean, that came out of nowhere, I think, to everyone yeah. that was in your life. Right. But fortunately, you know, that that door 
was meant to open, and it opened up rather quickly. It wasn't literally the week later. Yeah, so I ended up getting, I think I cut on Saturday, Sunday, whatever it was, and then I got signed to the active roster that following following Friday, I believe, Yeah. on they signed me, which is typically what happens um, throughout the NFL, but it's something that I hadn't really, didn't know and understand, and kind of the business side of it, of trying to hide lineups and everything, but, you know, at, at that point, it still didn't even matter, you know, I remember going to that week for practice, I was on the practice squad, and I was trying to be, you know, it was my first time to be able to play safety again um, since Jacksonville, because I was doing it on the P-Squad there, so now I'm doing P-Squad here in Green Bay, and I was trying to do safety, and I remember trying to be, you know, thinking like how I wanted to stand out somehow, so I was going to hit players, you know, I was going to make tackles, I was going to strip for the ball, like I was going to do whatever it took um, to stand out and just try to get that, try to get active, but even though I did get active later that week, it's still like, I wasn't involved in the game plan, I wasn't getting the recognition, and I felt like the respect that I deserved and earned, and it took me a while to understand and to be able to cope with that process and understanding the process of how, how that stuff works and why it takes a long time and mm -hmm. um, realizing that, the chip at that every single day, every single day, every single day, and then really just waiting for my right opportunity, you know? And once I understood that, um, I got way more self-fulfillment, self-joy, and way more at peace with who I was and what I was doing. Because I realized that I wasn't in control. You know, I thought I was in control of everything. And that I was doing something wrong, in a sense. But then I realized that I, everything that I, was, that I could do in my control, I was doing right in the best of my ability. And I couldn't control the outside things. And that's hard. That's, like, really hard to learn, too. And especially I, in, in athletics. Yeah. When you have so much success... And then, boom, something, like you said, outside of your control happens to you, and it seems absolutely terrible. You don't necessarily know how, know how to handle it, mm -hmm. but you take way more ownership in that event than you're supposed to, when really the only thing that you own after that, and just why I feel like you feel at peace, is because you, instead of trying to control events and what happens to you, you're controlling just how you respond to those and your response to those has just gotten so much more elite as you go. Right. Where now it's just, oh, this happened, okay, like, what do we have to do? Yeah. All, the I, do, adversity, do? all the other you adversity know? has prepared me for this, for exactly. this adversity yeah. and, and the future adversities and knowing how to respond to them and uh, not freak out in a sense, you know. And Just like your injury, you know. I mean, right. like, you had a great game against New Orleans and that, you know, you know, look like to be the time where it's like you're gonna hit the ground running, and then boom, like I'm out. You're sidelined for six weeks. You're still going through it. Right. You know, but just watching how you've handled this too, it's just like at such an elite level, where yeah, you got hurt, but okay, like you know, put me under the knife, and then what do I have to do to get back? Yeah, and it's it's just knowing that you know, you I'm not gonna win the Super Bowl in a sense you know, back then, or even right now, you know, knowing that it's a long process, it's going to take time, and um, there's going to be ups and downs with it, and just trying to be able to try to take it um, in full stride. But yeah, I think becoming at peace with myself in those moments, um, at that time period throughout that season, really prepared me for that Monday night game, you know, where 
I was going into it, you know, really playing special teams only. You know, at that at that point in my career, I had maybe a few snaps here and there offensively. Um, I played like the when I when I played, I think all my snaps were like protection. So I wasn't even like allowed to run a route. I was just, just blocking, blocking. Yeah. you know. And I just remember that being the, like the biggest slap in the face. Like you can't even run a route. Like you're only here to be, you know, a, a blocker. And that just motivated me even more, you know. And so when the event came, you know, the Lions game happened and, you know, we had guys that had already were injured going in the game and a few guys went down and it was looking bad. And um, I remember Aaron coming to the sideline after possession and just um, aggressively requesting for me um, to come into the game late into the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I remember him looking at me and him giving me that look and, you know, this is some kind of going back to when he had first talked to me and said that, you know, what do I have to do to get 13 down on my field? I'm like, right. him giving me that look that, you this know, time. I've believed in you and like, let's go do this. And it just like, all right, like, this is what, yes. this is what I've been preparing for. This is what I've, I've wanted to do. And, um, just like everything else, it was, literally I was going to the game least expecting that being the game that I was going to go out there. And, you know, and like, you know, I go into, I go into every game thinking that, you know, I'm going to be, be, be making plays and doing this and that. But at that point in my career, playing special teams, I was way more special teams minded. You know, I knew my plays offensively, but it didn't seem like, you know, my number was going to get called. Yeah. Um, at least not in that way, just because of the way the previous weeks have gone. And, you know, it wasn't called by the coaches. It wasn't called by anyone else. It was called it's by called 12. Aaron. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, him giving me that look just told me that, like, it's it's time and that this is when, like, you need to step up. And I went out there very, very relaxed. And um, I think the rest is just history from there, you know. You know, my, my first pass he threw to me, he actually ended up dropping. And <laughs> what he called the, when he, I remember when he called the second play in the huddle, or the play after that, and I knew it was going to be an out and up, and I was like, damn, <laughs> first of all, I was dead tired, but, you know, I knew he was calling that play to throw it, right. and I'd be damned if I didn't bust my balls, you know, and, and not be able to go make that play, and he ended up obviously making an unbelievable throw, um, but yeah, I think, you know, kind of after that, it was just like, I finally felt like I was in and doing everything that I needed to do yeah. to be in the right position. And it made everything else beforehand make sense. All the pain, all the adversity, all the struggle, yeah. you know, all, all the <laughs> the winning or the losing seasons, all the horrible workouts, like that was when like those That's like, when you got like your clarity. The clarity with everything and understanding that like everything that I do has a purpose or needs to have a purpose and needs to have like a long-term goal with it because it's going to have an everlasting effect no matter what it is. And so from then that moment on, you know, I think it just helped me be more confident and believe myself even more and, and push myself to another standard. And obviously got having guys um, in the locker room, which I could go on for days on, you know, just for me, who I am as a person, I look for, I look for motivation in anything. You know, and the guys in the locker room make it very easy to 
be motivated to go work hard and do extra things and to base my life off of them, you know, in a sense of like, am, am I doing, am I like doing the right work? certain things from certain yes. people, it's like... Picking certain attributes, how I carry myself, how I'm portraying myself in the locker room, on the field, with you and my, you know, relationships. Public face, like all that Yeah, stuff. and then like, you know, like how am I, like what am I doing, you know, am I, am I putting the work, am I studying it right? I treat my body the right way, and you know the guys that we have in our locker room are are the definition of pros, and those guys I would say have been probably the biggest influence throughout my entire career, really helped me excel to where I am right now. You know, I think a lot of things have helped me get to this moment in the past year or so, but you know, it was really those guys with the icing on the cake of really helping me get to this level of being at a level and be able to go out there and execute and be a vital point and a huge asset to a team and an offense. Now that you're like, you're at the level you're at, you're having success at the level you're at and backtracking all the way to when you're just a little kid, you know, playing football in the backyard, this is where you wanted to be, you know, like you are living it essentially. But what got you here was, like we said, you know, the ATT mindset that you've had your entire life. Well, now you're here. How do you feel like, you know, is it, is it tough? Is it a challenge to continue to push beyond? Like what, like what is beyond that? You know, you're already there. Like what's beyond being there already? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with that is just not setting a limit, you know, I think a lot of what people people think that success is you can find it on a piece of paper that's written down, and there's a A like B. Once I reach like this step, I'm well, like yeah, I'm done. It's A B C D E yeah. F. No, it's 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 an infinity sign. <laughs> it's an everyday thing. Um, you know, there's so much that really goes into it, and so so much that's unique to individual. You know, to you, to me. That, that that helps you be successful. But I think the success on the field, you know, and coming into myself throughout that first season I had really helped me go into the off season and kind of spring-loading into this year, kind of just like figuring out a self-identity outside of football. Because, you know, I think especially with the climate of what the world's going in, going through right. right now. Going through an off season in a quarantine. Yeah. yeah. And just like realizing like, whoa, whoa, like football isn't everything. Right. You know, which is something I wish I would have known a long time ago, which I've had people, you know, you hear people telling me all the time, like, it's not going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. You're going to have to do something else. But, you know, as a kid, obviously it's hard to fully understand those things. And I think the quarantine is something that really gave me clarity with that. Of like, what am I doing outside of football? You know, like, how am I... Like, it's in your face. Like, like, you like I'm already... Okay, so, like, not necessarily that I've arrived football, but I'm doing football where I want to be. But, like, what's my next thing? Like, what what am I going to do after that? How can I push myself in different ways? You know, and, and that's where I feel like I really have tried to adapt and been open-minded to so many different things of trying to find motivation and trying to find um, ways to be the best me and ways that I can help others... Um, be successful, be motivated, and ultimately, you know, my whole goal is to love and inspire everyone. Right. 
And to come full circle too, like even, I think, you know, anyone can say the, what they want about the quarantine, you know, but for me, I take a lot of positives out of it because, you know, we spent countless hours on FaceTime in the quarantine. Like right. what else are we doing, you know? And that's when like, you know, we've had this ATT thing. Like I said, it's the origin started in middle school, sixth grade. It got its label sophomore, sophomore year, yeah. you know, and then it's stuck with us this entire time. There's never been a time where we haven't talked about it right. or said it, but it's always been just like very exclusive. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's hashtagged, it's, you know, things like that, but it's never been essentially concrete, right. you know? And so you going through that phase in the quarantine where your normal daily regimen of just being a football player is essentially stripped away from you. Or just the daily life of just living anyone, you know, right. your jobs, things of that nature is just stripped away from you. And that can be a really scary time because you start to think about things that you're not thinking about on a, on a daily basis when you're just kind of running the race, you know. And so you're thinking about what am I doing outside of football? And then that's kind of like, you know, we were on the same page where it's like, you know, hey, like, this ATT thing, you know, it's been around for this for right. a long time, and it's obviously created such a special bond between you and I. Right. And also, it's allowed us to impact others in a lot of ways. Tremendously, Because, sure. you know, we, we know we're on the same page as far as, you know, the, the lifestyle, the, the standards, and the accountability that we hold each other to, even... You know, when we're with each other and when we're across the country from each other, it's always stuck there. Um, but that was around the time where everything kind of came full circle, to me, at least. Right. Right. I, I remember, I'm sure you remember, too, since it wasn't that long ago, but I just remember driving down to Chicago, and I was going to go visit David, hang out with him, spend some time with him, see him, him with Deshante, and um, you FaceTime me, I FaceTimed you, and... Literally, we talked that my entire trip from here, Green Bay, down to Chicago, and that was like a three it, hour, and it yeah. just happened the most organic way. You know, we hadn't even really discussed it of trying to make what this is today. Yeah, you know, this exactly. was it, this was wasn't even really a thought then. You know, of making this, or even just like too, like even to to stop you for a second, like how that came into play. Like when you say organic, right. like this whole entire thing has been. An organic process and that's why it feels so natural right. that it has to happen and right in the perfect time for it and I mean how we even I mean the logo essentially like it's your handwriting yeah it's literally just I picked up a pen and yeah, I wrote and we, it and we all agree like you know I, I remember sitting up here up in the <laughs> up in my kitchen on this table and face down a mic <laughs> so Mike eating, uh, eating paella eating paella <laughs> <laughs> Some good, some good paella. But yeah, man, it's just, that's really, you know, to kind of sum everything up, like there's so much that's really gone into where we are today and really even bring us to the conversation right now. Um, I wish that we, like, I, I really wish that I could just, like, see, like, you and I, like, sitting here with us, like, we're... 13, 14 years old. Right. And just to like hear the conversation because to me, like when you take the perspective and you kind of zoom out, um, 
you're 20, 25, you're turning 25, I'm 25 years old, and it's like, you know, you could talk to your 10, 12, 13 year old self, and you're like, hey, here's all the things that you did, and here's like where you're going right now in your mm -hmm. life. How, like, how do you think that yourself would feel back then? Because personally, I'd be like, I'd be amazed, you know? I mean, and that's just like, I feel like anyone can kind of have that perspective and kind of get all away right. from all the negativity that's out there and all the social pressure that people feel about having to behave a certain way, how to act a certain way, but it's really like, you know, if I were to tell, give myself a checklist of the things that I've done and I was telling my 12-year-old self that, you know, like, remember my goal was to play for the University of Iowa when I was like 14 years mm -hmm. old, you know, and it, the, it was checked off the list the next year with the offer. Yeah, I think just going through those different moments, whether for me, being here today, like, is so surreal in a sense. You know, like, if you say I'm talking to my 10, 12 year old self, I never visioned myself playing for the Green Bay Packers. And I don't know why. It just never, never happened, you know. I envisioned myself playing for different teams or maybe it was more so I just didn't even know who or where. And my idea and my perspective really only contained to Iowa, really in that local region, you know. And that's right. why it was so easy to go to Iowa State because it was, it was hard to see myself outside of there because I hadn't experienced anything outside of that bubble in a sense besides the AAU trips and the camps yeah. that I've gone to. So being here today, it's like, it's happened so unsuspectingly, organic and natural. It just, it helps me understand like, just to be able to accept life for what it is and wherever it takes you, rather than trying to force and predict every little point along the way. You know, like, you can't, I mean, yes, you wanna set goals and everything, but you can't necessarily expect yourself to check you everything have, off. You can't have like a certain like. And it will happen in this exact same order because yeah. that's that's not life, and and that's I think that's what makes life beautiful too is the the unexpectedness and the authenticity of a lot of events and um, the things that you go through, you know, and that's what makes things organic <laughs> in a sense, and so that's why for me it's kind of just wrapping all this thing up is that whole experience that I've had, you know, dating back to our relationship has just really helped me come into fruition of who I am today and accepting who I am as a person, as an athlete, as a friend, as a, as a mentor, whoever. And being able to go out there and present my best self forward in whatever situation that I may be. And knowing that too, I'm gonna to have failures along the way. You know, I'm gonna have several failures, you know. These are just probably just one of the, the bigger ones that we probably hit on, but, you know, we can sit here and go on to days and days and days on how many times I've failed and been embarrassed, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, whether it's within a friend group or anything, football, basketball, baseball, whatever, you know, like, there's been so many different times where, like, in the moment, I'm like, this is the worst feeling ever. I can never, never get out of this. Like, I'll ever forever be stuck as this label and... I've diminished that idea and superseded that right. into making myself into who I've always thought I was. And I think that has just been such an intricate part 
to being who I am today and really kind of... And that's why ATT is what it is too. Right. You know, because like through all the things that we've just discussed, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg essentially. These are just main, main checkpoints. But that has been there like with us from day one, essentially. And it lets me know personally when I'm off track of who I am. And I feel in sync when I'm on track with it because that's essentially the backbone. I mean, that what ATT represents to me is I, I can tell when I'm out of sync with it. You know, I can tell like when I'm responding to adversity the right way or the wrong way because it allows me to be honest with myself because it is that standard. You know, it is, it's the lifestyle that you're supposed to live. And you're able to see the growth too. Right. You're able to identify the growth. And in the smallest forms, too, now, rather than, you know, especially when you're younger, you, you look for the biggest accomplishments. You know, those are the only things you can and too, just like, put identity in, like, rather than the little things. Navigating through just, like, relationships, because, of course, like, you have so many people coming in and out of your life at this young age, where having, like, this, you know, allows you to kind of see... Like, is this person or does this group of people, do they match up with my, my values? Yeah. And am I going to mold to them or are they going to mold to us, you know, or if it's not going to be a fit at all, right. it gives you just so many, so much clarity in so many different ways where you can really just trust your instinct and trust your heart where you know something is right or not just based on how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I feel like what we're doing just, it feels right. We don't even know what we're doing no, right now. It's, it's like just this like, whole, yeah, it's just happening. This whole thing even was made up 30 minutes before we started shooting, you know? We didn't, I mean, we have like, what, three things written down? Yeah, but... a couple of things here and there, but like, you know, I think that's, that's what makes this at least fun, you know? It, it makes it enticing is that we're just out here doing whatever, trying to do something. And it may not be the best right now. We know it won't be because this is only the first take. We're just like in high school. Like, you know you're going somewhere. Right. And you know you're going to do something big. But you don't know exactly what it is yet. And that's what it feels like when everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen right. organically. Like, you know you have the belief that something is going to happen. It's going to be good. There may not be good things that happen along the way. Mm -hmm but it's going to be good. And that's the same exact feeling. Like, you know that you're in sync when you have that feeling, mm -hmm. you know, and you have the, the pressure, essentially the internal pressure, the healthy pressure and competition that you feel on a daily basis where it's like, Hey, I got to be my best. You know, right. like, I mean, if, if I'm not my best, like it's not going to happen. I have to be my best. Yeah. That, that sums it all up. Cheers. Cheers to that, man. Water. Can't no apoya no foya. Can't no apoya no foya. Probably not even saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's been a great conversation today. First of probably many to come between us. Maybe some future people. Yeah. Future people that we haven't even met yet. Right. I don't even know exist. Excited for them. Excited to see where this goes, especially in the next few weeks and months, but really 
10, 15 years from now. Absolutely. See what we can do. All right, brother. All right, man. At the top. Check it out, ATT.